This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. What do you think of this? Canada is going to start putting health warnings on individual cigarettes. Going to be the first country in the world to print warnings on the actual cigarette. Terms like tobacco, smoke, harms children. Cigarettes cause leukemia. Poison in every puff. It was announced Wednesday uh, last week it will require health warnings to be printed on every cigarette in both French and English, of course, because that's how we like to do, (laughs) Uh, as a deterrent um, to stop people from smoking. At this point, doesn't everybody know how bad smoking is for you? And it already says on the pack how bad it is for you. There's always disgusting photos. So if you get through that to a cigarette... Are you really going to read the side of the smoke and be like, you know what? Now it's too far. Yeah. If you can get past the tracheotomy guy yeah. or the diseased lungs or human heart sitting on a, a a tray on a table, I don't think printing, yeah. hey, these are bad for you on the cigarette is really going to stop somebody. Even like even the bad teeth photos. This this whole thing, it seems to me like when I work construction, we do things called uh, make work jobs. When there wasn't that much work to do, you'd go stack wood in the lumber yard or you'd whatever. Yeah. You Just know, justify your trucks. existence, basically. These, they, there's all this anti-smoking money coming in. They're like, well, we got to do something. We got to spend it. Yeah. It's a waste of time. And maybe it, it lo- makes cigarettes look a little less cool if there's writing alongside them. I don't know. No, it's like a tattoo on the side. Now you're making them cooler again. Uh, maybe the solution would be uh, put a little noisemaker in the filter so every time you take a drag, it makes a farting noise. <laughs> Sure, hey, if, there, if you there wanna... we go. That's a make work job right there. <laughs> I, I thought I was just gonna be like, wee, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. you make that noise anyway. Getting your thoughts here. A lot of text messages coming in. If smoking is so bad, then why is the government selling them? It's the only thing that will work is to ban smoking. The only thing smoking does is kill you. The government doesn't technically sell them they tax the hell out of them that's for sure i think three quarters of the price is probably tax smoking does put a huge strain on our health care system yeah i wonder if though if they're coming out on top i would assume they're probably still making more more money from the taxes than they are spending on health care but it's already trending in the right like how many people really are full-time smokers these days like when i first started working in this building Taz, there would be 20, 30 people out anytime I go outside to go to a convenience store or whatever, and they'd be smoking. Now you go out, there's like three to five people. It's already trending in the right direction. Fewer people smoking out by the ashtray in front yeah. of the buildings. I don't think, you know, I don't think we need to make it illegal. I think it's already going in the right direction. People are allowed to smoke. It's a free country. You can do whatever you want to your body, but it's already going in the right direction, and we're better than we were. So you've been working here about, what, 10, 15 years? If you go back 40 years, people would have been smoking in the building. Yeah. <laughs> Let's zoom out here, guys. We're doing okay. Where's your cigarette, Jim? Get that thing in your mouth or you're fired. <laughs> yeah. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Taz and Jim, we have Ian Snedden, partner with Cohen Hiley, Joining us on the show, Uh, Ask a Lawyer. We've got a bunch of questions here. Let's start with this one. It's a text message. Taz and Jim, dispute with my neighbor. She has five security cameras on her house. They're all facing my property. She has no cameras anywhere else. 
what can I do to get this conflict rectified? Am I entitled to see the video she is recording? I've asked her not to record, that I don't consent being on video, but she has not moved the cameras. What do you think, Ian? Well, that's a tough one. So you'd have to see the cameras and what the purpose of them are. Are they security cameras or is this a voyeurism uh, issue because if it's voyeurism, it's give her what she wants. <laughs> Get in that backyard. Make her sorry that she put the cameras up. <laughs> well, that would be one way. I guess. Uh, uh, not the lawyer recommended way. No, it's not to ask Jim approved. Though. Yes, that's true. We have to distinguish between what, what I might say, yeah, what you're what saying, and what we're saying. Yes. All right. So, as a lawyer, what would your suggestion be? Well, I, he's already spoken with the neighbor. Yeah, uh, and then at that point, I think he would probably need to contact the police and uh, see if they do anything about it. I think they would probably go over and, and speak to her as well. Again, it depends on the intention of the cameras. Well, not that the cameras have intention, yeah. but what her intention. What if her is excuse is, "I I am I'm afraid of my neighbor, or I don't trust my neighbor, so I feel I have to have cameras pointed at his house to keep him away from me." Well, it would have to be both objectively and subjectively uh, reasonable to think that. And again, the so the courts tend to um, look badly upon surreptitiously recorded devices anyway. Because it's, it's borderline a threat. You're, you're, right. you're just trying to intimidate somebody when you put up that many cameras facing their house. For sure. Yeah. So there's, there's uh, depending on the circumstances, the reasoning, that sort of thing, there, uh, there's definitely an issue there, and I, I think at this point, based on the limited information that I have, uh, I would contact the police. Okay, let's go to the phones. We've got Tony here. What's your question for our lawyer, Tony? Hey, I got a question here. It's about my brother-in-law. He's, uh, he's useless, man, like totally useless. He doesn't even answer the phone calls when his mother calls, when he doesn't even come to visit. And he, like we literally have to yell at his wife to get him to call the mother. And how do we screw him out of his inheritance? Is there an easy way <laughs> other than hoping he dies before the mother wow. dies? What is this succession? This is insane. Hoping he dies yeah. before the mother does. Well, by the way, it's nice seeing you at my wedding on the weekend. Dies, Great to be part of the family. Sister, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> How bad is he? I mean, he's not a criminal. I mean, being a bit of a jerk no. uh, certainly shouldn't forfeit your inheritance. I mean, come on. Sure should. If you don't do nothing to take care of and help your mother, don't even answer the phone. Well, I, I think the easiest thing to do, if this is what you're thinking, is talk to the mother and say, hey. Oh, she's you know, a useless tool as well. Well, it sounds like maybe <laughs> you might get cut you are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the beginning Scheming of Scheming in the background. show Justified. Do you remember the very opening episode yeah. of Justified? If you walk down the, I won't use the word, but you walk down the street and uh, you see a, a jerk. That guy's a jerk. If you walk all day and everybody's a jerk, you're probably the jerk. You're yes. the jerk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Be careful what you wish for. Don't put any <laughs> ideas in your mother-in-law's head or you might get booted out. Yeah, you just called your mother-in-law a useless tool on the radio. You could be out of the will. We have Ian from Cohen Highly Lawyers in studio, Ian Snedden, partner with the firm. And we were talking earlier about how Al Pacino is going to be a dad. His girlfriend, 29 years old, is eight months pregnant. Al Pacino, if you're wondering, 83 years old. He claims, uh, according to a source, that 
he was told that his girlfriend couldn't conceive because she had a thyroid problem and apparently he's already made her do like an in utero uh, DNA test to prove the child is his. Uh, if your partner tells you that they're not able to have children and then they get pregnant, does the court take that into consideration when it comes to payments? No. No, if you're the biological parent, you're going to have an obligation to pay child support regardless of whether you thought it was going to happen or not. So if Al Pacino yes. has, is forced to pay child support, he's 83, Right. Let's say he dies in two years. Then okay. what happens? Well, so normally with, uh, with child support and spousal support, a lawyer, if it's an agreement, or a court, if it's a judge, will impose a life insurance policy to protect the child support. So there is a child support obligation until, well, the child's not in Ontario, but I'm going to use Ontario law, until age 18. Right. Uh, and then maybe later, depending on whether they go to college, university, that sort of thing. So... The, the court would order that there be a life insurance policy so that uh, the child support can be reached or, or met even after he's dead. So he can't get out of this by dying. No, hmm. that's, that's not Because like you always say, <laughs> you always say the courts care about the kids first. So if the kid yeah. has to be taken care of. But yeah. I think the, the mother should have the same punishment as that uh, d- dirty move that some guys pull where they say they're wearing a condom and they're not and they can get charged with something. That's as deceptive to me as that move. So if you say you're wearing a condom and you weren't wearing a condom, is that you get arrested for that? You can get charged. Well, I think in certain countries, Julian Assange got charged with that in Europe. Yeah, and there was a, a case many years ago, but I think it depends on what you're transmitting too. If it's so that's disease, more of an STD thing than it is a pregnancy thing. Yeah, because condoms can fail. Right. I, I don't want to break this to my children right now, but <laughs> better safe than sorry. Let's, <laughs> yeah. be, let's be serious here. Well, but. Your, your children are glad they broke if it happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I just know I know I just know that this has happened to some people that have multiple babies from multiple husbands and they've said it to each husband not husband man like they said it to yeah. each guy that is each a guy. red flag if they say I can't have children they already have five children yeah. <laughs> five different dads yeah this is a card they've pulled before you may want to take that into consideration <laughs> you have the right to remain stupid. Okay, so a 60-year-old male driver from the United States has been arrested by the RCMP trying to cross into Canada at the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls after uh, making a wrong turn. (laughs) So, uh, according to the cops, he entered uh, the incorrect GPS coordinates into his nav system. Niagara Falls, Canada instead of Niagara Falls, U.S. Whatever it was, <laughs> he ended up taking a wrong turn and didn't mean to end up at the border. Um, and it uh, now has got him in a lot of trouble because in his car, he had over $600,000 in U.S. currency. Oh, boy. So that's over $800,000 Canadian. 
and he had 181 kilograms of marijuana oh, in the boy. vehicle. So close. So close. <laughs> the wrong, wrong turn yeah. is an understatement here. And you almost made it to the land where it's legal, you know? <laughs> but he didn't even want to go to I Canada. Know. It was a mistake. You know, Have you ever been there? You get into the, the, the wrong lane. You miss that last exit before the border and then you get stuck in that lane and there's no turning around you you have to go through with it because somebody pulls in behind you yeah that this has happened to me literally on the rainbow bridge literally with a weed in the car too it wasn't very much I, I, I was probably 18 or 19 and I went out for dinner with a girl at the hard rock cafe romantic Jim and then we that's right by softy. the rainbow. No, that's by the rainbow bridge, right downtown Niagara yeah, Falls. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I don't know what happened. We were trying to make our way back to like our hotel or campground or whatever, and we somehow got turned around. And I, and I think, then like, I think campground might be more likely at eighteen. It probably was. <laughs> I didn't have a credit card then, but I forget how it happened. But that one wrong turn, we got into the rainbow bridge lane, and uh, a car pulled in right behind us, so we couldn't get out. And then. The girl was like, I have marijuana and a pipe in my purse. And I was like, well, it's too late now. <laughs> Act cool. And we just went up to the security guy at the, you know, at the arm or whatever, right at the crossing. And we just said, oh, sorry, uh, we took a wrong turn. And he, he just kind of rolled his eyes and said, okay, go up there, turn around. They must see it a lot. Yeah. But we were just like, play it cool, play it cool. But we were crapping our pants. <laughs> Uh, this guy must have been grabbing his pants a hundred thousand times more because he had that much more money and weed on uh, on him than we did. But uh, I, I, before then, we didn't need a passport too because it was a long time ago. It was like yeah. twenty years ago. Well, almost. that's what busted this guy. They asked for his passport and he yeah. didn't have one because he wasn't expecting to cross the yeah. border. Oh man! <laughs> but it happens. Those because once you and they probably design him that way that once you get on that track, you can't turn around once you get scared. Yeah, you know. No, no second thoughts. Yeah. You're in the line, you're in the line. 60-year-old Andrew Lee Toppenberg of Tustin, California, has been charged with possession of cannabis for the purpose of distribution, importing 181 kilograms of cannabis, contrary to the Cannabis Act. He wasn't even trying to import it. <laughs> <laughs> and possession of proceeds of property over 5,000, knowing that proceeds were obtained by crime. He has been detained. He has been in front of a judge in St. Catharines, and he remains in custody there. His next court date has not been scheduled, and no word on when he's going to be returning home. Oh, no. <laughs> he's going to end up in Winnipeg when he tries, anyway. <laughs> you just hope that he was in business for himself, and that wasn't somebody else's weed and money that he just <laughs> lost at the border because he took a wrong turn. Oh, yeah. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. We're getting some tips here for you. Jim, you got to send those thank you letters out right away. I've almost been married a year, and we're just getting around to doing it. Mm -hmm. So if you don't do it immediately, you may forget to do it. Yeah, but we have to wait for our photos from the wedding to come back. Okay. Right? So you're throwing a photo. It's like you have a special thank you cards printed? Not yet. Isn't that every thank you I've ever got is the person... Right? Am I crazy? Yeah, you have to wait till your photo comes back. I feel like back. Sarah's got this under control. Oh, I will not be ordering any of these cards. 
You will be signing where she tells you to sign. Yes, I will. I will do a personalized message in pen for everybody. But yeah. Speaking of Sarah, we got a couple text messages here uh, yesterday. Jim uh, was talking about the weeks leading up to his wedding, which were very stressful. Uh, we had a, a couple people who heard us talking about how your wedding almost didn't happen, but then didn't hear the story. They're like, I feel like I walked out before the end of a movie. What happened? Uh, Sarah had a procedure done a couple weeks out from the wedding. Uh, didn't go as well as they planned. And she ended up intubated and sedated for five days in the hospital. Mm-hmm. He almost had to cancel the wedding because of it. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, she kind of came out of the induced coma with about five or six days to go. <laughs> Walking so with a some, walker. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she recovered quickly and uh, she was fine. She wasn't drinking. Uh, I think she had maybe one glass of champagne on Saturday at the night of the wedding. But, uh, we still but you got it done. Yeah, yeah, you got it done. Well, here's another text message from a listener. It says, hey, Jim, I heard you telling your story yesterday. My girlfriend, now wife, got in a terrible car accident the day before we left for Mexico for our wedding. Several years ago this happened We uh, separated an hour before we were supposed to leave to run errands And I got a call on her phone from an ambulance attendant Her car became intimate with a telephone pole Yikes He sent a picture of the car too It looks absolutely totaled on the driver's side I feel your pain and I commend you for telling your story without breaking up I couldn't get through listening without being choked Thankfully, my wife walked away from that accident, which is why now we live every adventure that we can. Carpe diem. There we go. And I I felt that you guys kind of felt uh, that at the wedding. One, it was a test of your relationship, Mm -hmm. right? And I know her family was very impressed with uh, how you were by Sarah's bedside the whole time she was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. But you got to realize, walk away from that thinking, boy, you never know what's going to happen, so we might as well enjoy today. Yeah, I mean, life's a fickle thing, like, you know, and and she wasn't really at risk of dying. She did have some labored breathing problems, and she did stop breathing, but, like, you think, I guess she was (laughs) close to death, but, I mean, it happened in the hospital. I know, but, like, you you were in the right place, and she had the right people around her. Yeah, and there wasn't a point where I was like, she's not going to come out of this coma. We knew it was just going to be a matter of time, but really sitting there and, you know, seeing her put under, it just, it puts a lot into perspective of, like, what matters and what doesn't, and, you know, your, your family and your health really matter and your relationships and just as long as you focus on them hopefully everything else falls in line but uh, yeah it really I, I didn't I didn't get emotional at the wedding or telling the story because a lot went through my head during those like five or six days so I kind of got it out of my system but um yeah, yeah. We made once it she's better, you know, the big thing is well, once she was better, we're, it was great. Yes, it's celebration awesome. time. Yeah. I'm not crying; I'm smiling. Sure, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, thank you. I, I, thank you for sharing that story, Jim. It, uh, I know it was uh, a personal thing that you guys went through, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people out there can relate. Mm-hmm. And it was an awesome day, and uh, I look forward to seeing that picture of the two of you on the thank you card that I'm expecting in the mail any day now. (laughs) Four years from now. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. I had to call the police yesterday. Were you in the room when I called, Jim? Uh, I came back in when you were halfway through the call. Yeah. I think it was the right decision. Mm -hmm. Just didn't want to see anyone get hurt. Uh, We have a window in the studio and outside on the street, 
There's some road construction going on, like anywhere you drive right now, you know, pylon set up. And there was a guy out there. <laughs> he was dancing and, and like kicking over the pylons. It was almost like Zoolander breakdance fighting. <laughs> it, it looked like he was living in his own musical. Mm-hmm. It's like singing in the rain kind of. Yeah, yeah. he's spinning around and kicking uh, kicking pylons over. And he was picking up, I think he was picking up rocks. He was picking up something and he was throwing them. Mm-hmm. And it started to increasingly look like he was going to start throwing rocks at cars. Mm-hmm. And he was in the middle of the road, so we thought, yeah, let's let's call the uh, the cops. Just let them know what's going on. <laughs> Get him out of there. At one point, I think he had a pylon on his head. <laughs> he did. Just he good old-fashioned fun. He was using the pylon as a top hat. Sure. One time as a bullhorn, probably. Yeah. <laughs> he was getting creative. It, it really it was a look into if uh, if people just broke into song like they do in musicals. Uh, that's what it would look like. You would look like you, uh, you needed some mental health yeah. assistance. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, it seems so cool in the movies. People join in, like yeah. random strangers join in and do the same thing, but in real life you get tackled and handcuffed. <laughs> if you can only hear the music in scrum. your head, yeah, <laughs> there's a bit of an issue there. I, I thought about filming it and posting it online, but I didn't want to be that guy. I mean, uh, I have a feeling that guy has a couple issues that he needs to clear up and i didn't want to exploit him for clicks well the good news is if you just drive downtown in any city right now you can catch the live show (laughs) there's about (laughs) seven guys on each street doing the same kind of thing yeah it's he seemed to be in a jovial mood though it's not like he was angry Man, cops must get those calls, though, every day and and like to choose which ones to go to and which ones not you're like Oh, boy. Okay, we got another 420 singing in the rain. <laughs> Whatever their cop code is. <laughs> I think you may have been smoking more than a 420. Yeah, but. that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we hope he's doing all right. We hope the, the dancing guy yesterday, who I think may have sauntered off before the police arrived, mm-hmm. we hope he's doing okay out there today.